You're listening to Side Hustle Pro, the podcast that teaches you to build and grow a side hustle from passion project to profitable business. And I'm your host, Nikayla Matthews. So let's get started. Welcome back to the show. This is episode 16 of Side Hustle Pro. And today's guest, Denise Sarkour, is a first-year entrepreneur who ventured out on her own after leaving a successful career in operations management. She's now a life and business coach and the founder and CEO of New Roots Development, LLC, which offers coaching, editorial, and publishing services. She's also the author of Clean Closet and has been featured on the Huffington Post. Denise and I actually go way back to the days of undergrad, where we danced together in UPenn's African Rhythms Drum and Dance Troupe. I have proudly watched her pivot from straight-laced banker to entrepreneur, and it's been incredibly inspiring. Why? Because at the age of five, Denise escaped the Liberian Civil War with her family and once lived as a refugee in Ivory Coast. She was raised in a rough part of New Jersey by her determined mom and would go on to graduate from the Wharton School and obtain her master's in international finance and economic policy from Columbia University. Although entrepreneurship tugged at her heart, she initially took a safer path, working as an international banker and development consultant at Goldman Sachs and the World Bank. But after a devastating divorce rocked her to the core, she became fearless. And on this episode, you'll learn how she honed in on what services she should offer in her business, how she's managing cash flow, and the surprising move she's willing to make to sustain her business. Let's get right into it. Welcome to the show, Denise. Tell us more about what you're currently doing and why. Hi, Nikki. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here and uh, share a little bit more about what I'm doing with your audience. Um, my, as you mentioned, my name is Denise, um, Denise Sarkor, and I am a life and business coach. I uh, also have a publishing company uh, underneath uh, the umbrella New Roots Development LLC, where I provide editorial and publishing services, both full out publishing of books, um, but also publishing consulting to uh, folks that I call change agents. Now, change agents are you, they're me, they're anyone who is out there uh, trying to affect positive change in the world. Um, I help them tell their stories um, and they may not have uh, access to tell their stories through some traditional publishing arms as easily. They may be interested in self-publishing and just need a little support, uh, but whatever the case may be, uh, that's the kind of services that we provide. Awesome. So you are originally from Liberia. How would you say your upbringing influenced your entrepreneurial spirit? Well, in so many ways, um, both of my parents uh, were and are side hustlers in their own right. Um So, you know, when I was very young, I started to hear stories of my dad. I even witnessed some of it and continue to witness a lot of it today, um, where uh, around the time I was born, he was working for public works in Liberia. But on the side, as a structural engineer, he would provide consulting services. Um, He also went into real estate development in Liberia. At one point, I believe he he owned the second largest transportation fleet in the country. So that was kind of cool to know about my father. Um, and my mom, she displayed that uh, after the war, we we left um, 
Liberia. We were in uh, Ivory Coast as refugees for a while. And when we got to the U.S., I was only five at the time. Um, I got to grow up in a single parent household with my mom and all my brothers and watch her give her very best uh, so that we could have opportunities in in the U.S. Um, She side hustled like a pro. And uh, so she uh, sewed curtains. Uh, She actually sewed for people's weddings. So she would do bridesmaid dresses uh, and even flower girl dresses. Uh, I've never known her to have one job. She's always had two or more. Okay. Uh, And so, you know, I learned that from a very young age. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And before we jump into your business and how you started to create that, I want to go back a little bit to your experience. So for a long time, you were following the traditional path. Um, You know, as I mentioned in the intro, Denise and I go way back. So you were at Wharton when I was in the College of Arts and Sciences at Penn. You went into banking, then you worked for the World Bank. Um, What inspired those decisions and how have they helped you with where you are now? Okay, so I am like a walking brain sometimes. Uh, and asked a lot of questions when I was younger. So um, the the long story, I'll, I'll try to shorten it though, um, <laughs> is that when I was really little, I said to my mom, I wanted to build a hospital in Liberia, right? This was like my framework. And I ended up pushing, getting full scholarships to college. And I you know, did really well in the sciences and math in, in high school. And I actually thought I was going to be a doctor. But when I got to uh, Penn, I, did, I was admitted to the Wharton program. I thought I was going to dual and a dual major in bio and business uh, so I could own my own practice one day. Uh, But I quickly realized that that workload was a little bit too much for me, learning um, a lot of new concepts, and I wanted to do well and keep my scholarship. So I decided to go the business route. route. I thought that not necessarily that I wanted to be the the doctor in the hospital in Liberia, but I wanted to be the one that was able to uh, raise the funds and actually be uh, a part of the project of building a hospital. So this was my thinking when I was in college. Um, and so like my first job out was all about raising municipal bonds. My first job was with the former Bear Stearns. And I learned how um, in in a, a developed economy like the U.S., you can raise, you know, $300 million of bonds to expand a hospital wing and different things like that. And I learned about um, about hospitals in general, how to finance them. And so that's where all of that learning started. But in 2008, um, right before my eyes at my first job, I kind of witnessed that bank crumble. You guys probably saw all of that in the news where overnight it went from, you know, 140 plus dollars a share to two dollars a share. Um, and immediate, uh, immediately J.P. Morgan was acquiring the bank and folks were losing their jobs and losing everything. So I watched folks that were at Bayer 20 years plus lose all of their investment in the company uh, because they own a lot of stock, stock etc. And at that moment, um, you know, I made the transition. I said that I want to do development work went to the World Bank and I, um, you know, worked for them in D.C. on some really cool projects, uh, learning how to keep the financial economy afloat, did some stress testing on banks that they had stakes in and they were afraid would fail and and, and bring down the global economy. Uh, I was really young and I got to see how those projects worked. Um, but after you know, two to three years at the world, very quickly learned that, you know, if we're waiting on top-down um, approaches to solve issues like poverty, 
um, and failed health systems and all of these things, uh, then we're wasting our time. I left that job and in pursuit of my master's degree at Columbia, where I study international finance and economics. And while I was there, I really got to think about things and kind of landed on this idea that it's more important to teach a man how to fish so that he could sustain himself going forward. So you recently wrote a post that delves into this a little bit more. Um, you guys, if you go to denisesarcor.com, I'll link to it in the show notes. It's called The Year I Got In Formation. Okay, the new root story. Please, let's jump <laughs> right into that. Tell us about this year and you know, what inspired this post? Okay. Thanks for asking me that, Mickey. I, I get clarity from writing, right? That's, it's always been the case. I have about eight journals. And so this post helped me kind of chronicle both how I got into, you know, sort of a personal formation where I, you know, kind of show uh, the reader how I overcame a very unexpected and, and painful divorce and basically how I had to climb out of uh, the depression and um, just the disappointment uh, after, you know, a perceived failure. Right. Um, and then jump into how that eventually uh, resulted in the formation of my company. Right. Um, and so, you know, that's what the, the, the post entails. But what I love about it most is, you know, interestingly, going through that divorce and healing from it actually gave me the courage to step out and start my first company. Because once you experience something that kind of rocks you to your core, um, it's almost like nothing else can, can, can scare you that much going forward. <laughs> wow. So you were working in operations management. And when did you initially start thinking about entrepreneurship? And when did you know it's time to leave? Okay, so I think um, a lot of it had to do with, you know, getting clear in my mind while I was in grad school, actually, that entrepreneurship was the path, but I didn't quite have the confidence right away to jump into it. So you mentioned McMaster Carr. That was the first job that I took out of graduate school, and it was a really unique opportunity because I started out in finance, and then I did a lot of strategy work, um, independent consulting um a project in India, one in Ecuador, and, and just really kind of spread my wings in those areas. But I'd never done operations management. And that's what uh, McMaster Carr afforded me, like this opportunity to manage people, design and manage processes, uh, and then implement improvement projects that I saw along the way. So I basically got to see how a private company, who um, which has been around for over 100 years, and has like, like huge margins, was able to basically keep its competitive advantage, keep costs low, create value for the customer, and just like make money year over year. Uh, that was my um, way of saying, of showing myself, okay, this is what excellence or, you know, potential excellence could look like. Um, and while I was there, stayed over a, a little over two years, I was also able to make good money because it was a profitable company and it paid really well. Um, I was able to make good money, save that money. And after actually hitting a yet another glass ceiling, I decided, okay, there's no better time than this. There's a pattern here. I keep going from big brand, big company name to big company name. And 
I get promoted at least once or twice. And then there comes a point where either I'm being disrespected and asked to train my manager and not uh, recognized for that next level up, or I just downright get tired of it because it's not, you know, coming from a place of, of personal passion or fulfillment. Right. Yeah. Um, and so that, you know, February or January of this year, literally, I didn't even know I would not recommend this for anybody in hindsight. Um, uh, but literally, I did not know I was going to resign on the Monday that I resigned. Wow. I, yes. I didn't know that part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, Nikki. Like, I I got to, to work. Um, I had literally just, uh, my, com- uh, my former employer actually built a new facility. And we, you know, some companies will say, okay, we're going to, we're going to stop operation and we're going to move and tell our customers, Hey, we're going to be back in business in a month or something like that. Right. Uh, not this company. And it's probably why it's been successful so long, but the decision was to still fully operate and serve all clients, (laughs) uh, while moving. And my department had to move overnight. And, um, I managed that whole process. I moved department overnight. I had to make sure they had all their equipment ready for them the next day that we're ready to, to up and, you know, get up and running. Um, and you know, in, in that process with all the, the issues, uh, you know, until, uh, you know, new processes got smoothed out, smoothed out in a new facility, uh, we were working double overtime, like two hours in the morning, you know, one to two hours in the afternoon overtime. And because I was one of the, op- the managers, I had to be there uh, for all of those those hours. And, you know, what happened right before then is I had asked for a vacation. I I had even um, for like one week um, after I had successfully moved my team over and I even had a backup for me, fully trained, ready to go. And I was denied this while I was just like dead. Um, And I got there that morning and it just kind of hit me. I needed to make a change and I just wrote my letter of resignation and just left. (laughs) Wow. So you, did you side hustle before you, you know, did you have that in the back of your mind? Like you had started ruminating on some things and working on some things or you just quit and then figured, started to figure it out. I, I quit and then started to figure it out. So uh, what I did was I resigned and then, you know, I stayed with the company a little bit more to transition, you know, hand over my post. You know, I, I try to keep it classy at the end. There's no need, you know, to just blow up the place. Um, <laughs> so I trained, my, I trained my replacement and mm. I, um, and I took that vacation, which yeah. was so important to me. I hadn't seen my family in a long time and I actually had the opportunity to go to Columbia with uh, my brother and his wife, who's from there, um, to um, a solid week in Colombia, just enjoying myself and uh, drinking South Pecan, which is like this awesome, like um, tropical fruit drink. Anyway, <laughs> um, so having some South Pecan. And when I came back with a fresh mindset and no job, I decided at that point, looking at my finances, projecting them out, uh, knowing what my savings were, um, that I would give myself a year for the very first time that I would give myself a year. I wasn't going to jump into a new job, you know, because, you know, of fear of, of not surviving, but rather I would take a bet on myself. Um, I had about 11 months of savings and that's, um, 
that's what allowed me to, uh, from February to now, start tinkering and um, using my skills and creating an initial business based on the, the skills and talents that I had acquired in the past. Okay. So, uh, you know, emphasis on that financial preparation that you did for entrepreneurship, because that is very commendable. Like, not, I don't know many people with 11 months, 11 months of savings, you know, they, they say, what, what's the recommended amount? Six months. So the fact that you yeah. were that diligent is really, really commendable. So now we are, you know, going to transition away from that whole work experience because the point of this episode is really to talk about how you've grown New Roots development. So what were some of the first steps you took to start taking New Roots from idea to brand? Okay, so um, I read, I actually read a very awesome book, um, Rich Dads, Before You Quit Your Job. It's crazy because I'd already quit, but it doesn't matter. But you, it's better to learn uh, late than never. Um, so the book is called Rich Dads, Before You Quit Your Job, 10 Real Life Lessons Every Entrepreneur Should Know About Building a Million Dollar Business. That's a mouthful by um, Robert Kiyosaki. Um, a lot of people know him for his book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Um, and in the book, it talks about uh, the five components of a new business that you have to cover in order to succeed. And that's one, having a product of some sort or a service, um, looking at legal, looking at your systems, uh, creating a communication strategy and thinking about your cash flow overall. Um, and so the first thing I thought about was, okay, what's my product or service? And I thought, um, thought about when I was in grad school and I was asked to serve as the managing editor of Columbia's Journal of International Affairs. Um, I knew nothing about publishing at the time. I volunteered for that position while getting my degree. And little did I know that I would be responsible for um, managing, uh, co-managing with the editor-in-chief, um, a board of, of, of editors, um, and as um, in addition to 60 or so editorial assistants. And so uh, I learned how to uh, be the project manager for publishing uh, what is the second oldest foreign affairs journal after Foreign Affairs Magazine. And that, you, you know, we there were about 10,000 copies of each journal that went out to over 90 countries in the world. So through that experience, I actually learned the process of publishing and what makes for a good product at the end. And so for my company, I said, okay, I loved publishing books. Uh, I'm a writer myself. I had two public uh, poems published when I was 13 years old. And so I said, okay, let me build a publishing house. We'll start there. I'm a pretty good editor as well. Uh, and so I'm going to offer services based on my strength. Going to provide great editing. Um, and I'm also going to help folks either through consulting or through actual publishing of their books um, as my initial product or service. Um, and then what, the second thing that I did, uh, because I realized very that you couldn't have engagements with your clients without some document, right? Um, some legal documents, some protections in place. And so I, start, I reached out to my network, um, and a network of lawyers, uh, friends who are lawyers. We all know a lawyer or two. Um, and if you don't get to know one. Um, and 
I was really fortunate to get some pro bono services, which is just awesome. Not having to pay for them um, and just having that support up front, front to draft my my legal contracts uh, and engage with clients. Um, I also got a lot of advice from my brother who is, you know, I think he's three years into his company now. Um, he owns his own architectural firm. He's been an architect for over 10 years in New Jersey and his systems were already developed. So he said, okay, Denise, check out Wave Accounting as the platform for your, uh, you know, for your account, overall accounting, where you can send invoices to your customer and um, classify all of your um, pay, you know, outflows and inflows of money and create your financial statement. So if someone needs uh, new roots development financial statements right now, I can produce them like real time, all my numbers, accurate balance sheet, income statement. Um, and so my brother there kind of helped me figure out my systems, like how I was going to invoice fo- folks and get paid was really great. Um, and, and then uh, on the com- communication side, which is huge that, you know, I have to tell you, marketing was and continues to be uh, the place that I'm facing a lot of challenges because it's not my skill set. Um, but I've been reaching out and finding some partners along the way to help me with the branding of new roots. Um, and I'm that's the area where I need to focus the most going forward. Um, and of course, with good marketing, then you'll get your cash flow. <laughs> Got it. So, by the way, what was the name of that accounting platform? Is it Wave? Yes, Wave, Wave accounting. accounting. All right. I'll definitely also include that in the show notes. So speaking of marketing, you say that you continue to be challenged by it, but how did you um, approach your initial clients and how are you going about acquiring clients while you work to improve your branding and marketing? Well, it started at first, it started with, you know, I, I put my site up on Squareface, uh, Square Face, Square Space, and it was just like this bare bones website, and I was so proud of it. And over time, I realized, oh my gosh, this is not good at all. I need to spruce this up a little bit. Yeah. Um, and so I actually contacted um, Christina Brown of Love Brown Sugar, and I went to one of her um, her brunches and, and had like one on one time with her just kind of using our, you know, connection from, you know, uh, pen days and the friendship that we built when we were there um, as dancers in African rhythms. I went to one of Christina's brunches too. Yeah, Christina is, I think really the reason, the the final trigger that got me to actually think about entrepreneurship, you know, I went to one of her brunches, had a one-on-one session with her as well. So it's funny that you bring her up and that we're both, Mm -hmm. you know, had that experience. Yeah. She's so awesome. I'm very proud of her and you so know her, her marketing success, her brand success is undeniable. Mm-hmm. And so knowing that that was an area that I really need help with, I said, hey, Christina, like I need your advice. Like every I'm supposed to be on all these platforms. Like, how do I manage this? Like, how do you even get your image? Your Im- Instagram image is so nice. Like, I just had a ton of questions, um, not really knowing where to start um and she let me know of um shiny separates consulting you know side hustle um also a pen alum and worked really closely with shiny and she helped me actually um do some really great um 
marketing strategy work. We sat down, I shared with her the vision that I had for the company, and she really helped me uh, lay the foundation and create, um, I didn't even know there were terms, branding assets, right? Mm-hmm. Um, create branding assets uh, that transform my site. I wish I had taken like a photo of my site before I met Shiny and after. Um, but she really helped me take it to that next level. So now if you go to New Roots Dev, um, short for development, um, dot com, like it's just a much better overall site and experience um, to communicate to customers. So that was the first thing. Like um, for me, get the website going. I had the processes in place. Um, the next thing was to start um, learning while focusing in on which platforms to focus to, to use um, Facebook and Instagram. Uh, are still like the two main ones that I use. And so um, just really learning how to use those tools um, has really been my focus. Cool. So what are some of the best practices that you can share from what you've learned, you know, and the growing pains that you've been through? What do you know now that you wish you knew then? I know that marketing is super important, um, that it doesn't matter how good your product or your service is. Um, if you don't have a system, you know, in place to execute your marketing strategy, uh, and you're not consistent with it, um, you're not going to reach your, your clients as easily. Um, that, that was a huge wake up call for me. Um, cause my initial thought was, wow, like I had this great business idea. Um, you know, folks are going to see it and they're going to like run to get help, but that's not the case at all. Like you have to court your customer in so many ways. Um, and I continue to, uh, focus on building, um, to, you know, putting the systems in place to attract them, um, and making sure that I create value for them because at the end of the day, that's what matters the most, most. It's not what you need it's what your customer needs. Um, Yeah, I I also I wanted to share with you that, you know, we talked about this whole formation year. Um, What actually ended up happening over time is I realized that for my business model, um, this being my first year in entrepreneur, first year as an entrepreneur, um, I had these firm ideas to start. But what's happened is they've really evolved so that it actually comes from a place of passion. and, 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 um, yeah, passion for me, uh, mm-hmm. while I was building this business, I thought that I was helping folks with their business plan, a couple of people with that. I thought that I was helping folks with their resumes and that I was editing, you know, magazines and, you know, getting reviews from them. But really what was happening was I was becoming a life and business coach. Um, and so once I realized that that's really what it is um, that I'm doing and uh, and once it kind of hit me that, you know, you could try to be a, a jack of all trades, but you're going to become a master of none. Um, I changed my strategy uh, in, in that way. So, you know, for my editing services, I have folks that are um, that I could contract to to help me with the editing work if it gets out of control. Um on the publishing side, I enjoy that the most. I, I, I enjoy projects. Um, 
uh, being a project manager. And so a lot of that I still do. Um, but in reaching out to my initial uh, clients, what I've learned is it's really hit me that publishing is like more of a, um, it has more of a long-term benefit. Um, unless like one of your, 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 the clients uh, that you work with uh, market their book so well, or you help them market their book so well that it becomes a New York Times bestseller. Um, the reality is, you may need to, as a publishing house, publish, you know, more more than three books, you know, five books, ten books, to actually generate the revenue to sustain your business, right? So I realized that that couldn't be the only income stream for the business, um, and and that was a you know a huge realization. And even though I don't want to change, I don't want to change that part of it. Um, I recognize that it's going to take a little a little while before I start to um, enjoy the fruit of that okay. uh, that of the business. So, and we actually talk mm-hmm. about that with a few entrepreneurs who have been on the show. It's like you start out sometimes with a few businesses before you hit on that sweet spot of the one that really takes you to the next level. So it sounds like with publishing, that's your core, that's your passion. But what you've really tapped into is the fact that people look to you for life and business coaching. Um, can you talk a little bit about how your business is structured to incorporate this, this realization? Well, I have this, I have the umbrella company, New Roots Development, LLC, and um, basically I, I just, you know, I use that company uh, to move the cash in and out, right? And and um, whether I'm providing editing store That just uh, sounded like an or- episode of Power or The Wire. <laughs> <laughs> but I know what you mean. Now, cash flow, okay, cash flow, so the, which is good. Thing of it is, you know, we talk, we talk about entrepreneurship, right? But at the end yeah. of the day, like, yeah. it becomes, you have to think of your business as a living, breathing entity. Yes. Right. I'm glad you said that. You know, I mentioned the word cash flow, yes. but, you know, folks think, OK, I'm going to have a business and, you know, I'm going to make money. But you have to move cash to make money. Right. Right. You have a plan for where this money is going. So um, a lot of folks don't know but you know, I want to share this with you all. I mentioned that my brother's an architect. Right. Um, you've heard the term real estate development. That's where new roots development came from. Uh, at Wharton, even though I got an economics and finance degree, my my um, concentration was real estate. So my long-term vision, you know, I like the idea of thinking about having short-term, medium-term, and long-term goals, right? Uh, um, I'm focusing on my publishing work, work, which I love, you know, helping folks publish their books, publishing my own work, um, making some cash from editing, um, eventually focusing on like on on my my business of life coaching business coaching um, but I have to have a plan for that cash right um, and what I would like to do is move that into real assets into um, to real real estate um, and you know work with my brothers in partnership uh, to make that happen got it um Thank you for <laughs> clarifying that a little bit. <laughs> but 
<laughs> but speaking of yeah. cash, um, and I want to get back to the publishing in a little bit, but how do you continue to financially sustain yourself given the unpredictable nature of entrepreneurship? Okay, so I had to get, you know, part of the reason a lot of services sprung to life was because of this very thing. So I thought, okay, you know, I came out the the blocks running. Uh, so my business was incorporated in late February, early March. Um, I had, I had written my poetry over the course of, of the, of the three years prior. Uh, I, I rushed in and edited the work, went through the process of publishing the book, um, had it on Amazon, completed a Kickstarter to raise money, um, and got it out there and thought, okay, this book is going to sell and it's going to sustain me. Not the case, right? If you don't have, you know, that reiterating that point, if you don't have a, a strategy to, to continually reach out to your potential client and find that person that's interested in your book, um, especially if you haven't built an audience before. Um, and I didn't have that much of a social media presence before starting my company or following or anything of that sort. It, the book wasn't going to move. It wasn't going to create enough cash flow. Um, um, so I started editing um, and, you know, helping the folks, whoever was around me, some word of mouth was happening. I would get, you know, other clients interested in different services and that started bringing in some cash flow. But again, that wasn't enough. Um, and I've and so speaking engagements as well. One thing that was really good about having um, having a book published was to be able to get out and do a speaking engagement. I recently spoke at the Decatur book festival as an emerging writer. And that was really nice because when you do that, then you, you know, they ask for, you know, different minimums of books. Sometimes they'll sell your books for you. Sometimes you, you know, you get your own booth to sell your books from. Um, but for this particular festival, you know, they took a, an initially 20 of my books and set it on the table and I got to speak and um, answer people's questions, engage with folks that were interested in the work and generate some money through um, book sales at that festival. So it really, it was really unpredictable for these first few months. It's It's been very unpredictable. And so um, one major development is after these months uh, and with a clear vision of getting the training, uh, completing the training that I need to become a certified life coach. Um, I, I don't refer to myself as certified yet because um, you can start life coaching uh, without, um, you know, without a certification, but I like to do things by the book. That's just who I am. Um, and so I'm actually enrolled in a class. I'm taking courses as we speak um, in life coaching. And by the end of November, I can use the title officially as a certified life coach. Um, and for those who are interested in entering into that space, it's, um, you know, you have to find a school that is accredited through the International Coaching Federation called IC ICF. Um, and that's how you know it's a program. And also, you know, do your research, see if there's, if you can find on anybody who's done the program before and, you know, what they think of the training, if, you know, it really gave them the tools needed to, to positively impact people's lives and, and share in those transitional moments with them to help them be, you know, create fuller, healthier lives. Um, you know, you want to make sure that you find the right program to help you do that. Got it. 
Now, you did publish your own book of poetry, and I want to get into that now. So what are some of the first steps you took to do that? Like, tell us about the process. How do you self-publish? What do we need to know? And how do you raise money on Kickstarter? Okay, so with self-publishing, the first, the the very first thing is to have your work, you know, written. It sounds silly, but like with um, my poetry, most of it I had wrote over the course of the last three years. Um, a lot of it, through my um, through my divorce and coming you know overcoming a lot of that and so that's where the, the title came from of clean closet it's about ridding yourself of those unnecessary mental blockages or you know old challenges within you um, so that you could actually move forward and, and have a great life um, and you know I mentioned it before that writing is is I mean there are a lot of studies that sh- that talk about the um, the positive um, effect of journaling. And I, I would recommend that if you're an entrepreneur, if you're just a human being in general and you want to um, invest in your mental health and alongside your physical, your spiritual, your emotional health, journaling is um, is a really awesome way to do that. And so um, to answer your question, I had my, my poems written. Um, the next Next step was I put my edit editing hat on and I edited my work. I had it reviewed by one of my good friends that has her um, mat, her master's um, from Columbia in creative writing. So she also helped me uh, do a round of, of editing with that. And um, once it was edited and ready to go, I leveraged both my um, existing knowledge of publishing and um, I also... Let's see if I could find the name of this book. But I also read a really great book on self-publishing. It helped me uh, recognize some of the most important pieces of it. Um, So, for example, you want to once a lot of people don't know this, but once you've written a book, you own it It is your book. It's your property. But you want to make sure that you get your copyright. So once the book is 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 written, um, and you have the final draft of it, you want to submit, make your submission to, um, I think it's copyright.gov, the government, the official government site, and pay the $35 fee, make sure that your work is properly copyrighted. Um, another great thing is making sure, uh, not a lot of people do this, but I think cataloging is important. Um, and I, I take that initial step because I consider my company to be a true publishing house. Like we use, for example, the Chicago manual of style, um, which is like, you know, industry standard for thinking about how to edit and format your work properly. A lot of folks go in and they say, okay, well, I know where a comma goes and I know where a period goes. No, like you need to edit it properly and, and um, check out the Chicago manual of style. You should be able to get that at any bookstore or, you know, find it in a library to help you really edit your work well. Um, And then once you did that, that, you did your Kickstarter. Yeah. So like after I did all those little things, oh, I found the name of the book, um, The Complete Guide to Self-Publishing, and it's by Marilyn Ross and Sue Collier. 
Awesome. I will link to that in the show notes too. The show notes for this episode are going to be popping just so you guys know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, tell us, tell us about the whole Kickstarter because Denise also wrote a post, um, called the 10 things I learned fundraising via Kickstarter. And that's available on denisesarcore.com. I'll also link to that, but share, share a few of those tips with us. So, okay. So for the Kickstarter process, like you, if you go on Kickstarter right, right now, there's probably somebody who's done a project similar to yours, unless there's something so unique that you're doing that, you know, there's no example, but you, you know, you can still get guidance from, from any existing project there. Um, so one of the first things I did was I went on there and I looked at different um, publishing projects that, that were, were there. And I found that folks, um, they use Kickstarter in, in very different ways. Like, so there are folks on there that had an idea of how to raise money for a book, but, um, and, 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 uh, had an idea for the book itself who hadn't even written it. Right. And they were like trying to raise money. They haven't written the book. Um, they made some estimates of what everything is going to cost. Um, I'm a little bit more risk averse. So I actually wrote my book, edited it, published it, submitted it through my printer and distributor. Um, and by the way, like, you know, there are several options. Like a lot of people use create space, which is Amazon's arm. I like Ingram spark because, um, they actually, their quality is, is a little better. Um, you may lose a tiny bit of your margin to do that, but, um, you know, if you want a certain quality and that I want to give to my clients as well, like I, I use Ingram spark, um, and so like I published the book, submitted it, it knew that I had about five days before it hit Amazon. And over the course of that, I was drafting what I wanted my Kickstarter to look like. So if you search for the clean poetry series on Kickstarter, you'll see that in the risk section at the end, because for every Kickstarter, you have to, um, mention the risk. I say clearly to, clearly to folks, Hey, like I can print my publishing house can currently print your book at any time. It was uh, the first book um, and we're offering it as a reward for anybody who supports this Kickstarter. And the main purpose of the Kickstarter was one to create awareness of new roots development as a publishing house and demonstrate that we know how to publish a book. It was also to promote the author who in this case happened to be me and poetry that I had written um, and, and offer that as a gift. Um, and I, yeah, I would say that like those were the main reasons. And, and the, but the last one was to help raise a thousand dollars to create the audiobook content. So there are a lot of things going on. I had to separate Denise, the author, Denise, the business owner. And if you produce a book of poetry specifically, marketing poetry is very different from other types of books. Um, and you know, like a lot of poets go on to like create, have a stage presence and do all these other things to really get the work out there. Um, so, you know, do slams, uh, you guys are probably all aware of like deaf poetry jam and stuff like that. Um, so a marketing poetry is really different. And one of the things I wanted to do was raise a thousand dollars to help me after uh, publishing the whole clean poetry series, which is going to be three books made out of three books. Um, I wanted to raise the $1,000 to create an audio book so that folks could actually hear me 
recite the poetry, which is really personal to me and can only be delivered in the way that I want to deliver it, you know? Yeah. So I want to put that personal touch and, and, and reach the audience with an audiobook. So that's one of the projects I'm going to be uh, completing in 2017. Awesome. So before we get into yeah. the... Yeah, before we get mm-hmm. into the lightning round, um, can you talk about what has been the most sus- surprising aspect of this year, first year of entrepreneurship? Was it as scary and intimidating as you thought? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, like you, no, I'm not trying to scare anyone. You do experience a lot of emotions. Um, you do experience a lot of emotions. I think we all we can all relate to this idea of, of enjoying the security of a paycheck, right? You know, it's coming in you, you know what your outflow is going to be and typically what you can save. And there is a lot of comfort around that. Um, for me, it was, you know, I, you know, it's an emotional roller coaster. Uh, but there's always, there always seem to be like, some silver lining, like, oh man, I don't know what's going on. Like with this, you know, for example, going through my Kickstarter process, had to do heavy marketing throughout it. And mid, you know, in the middle of that 29 days of the Kickstarter, um, you know, the first movers had already backed the project, but then it slowed for a while. And I tell you, like, it was torture during that time because in my mind, I was like, if this fails, like, this is the first project that we're doing out of New Roots. Like, you know, I, I don't know if you, you've seen Shark Tank episodes where folks say their Kickstarter failed. It's like, like doom and gloom, you know? <laughs> um, so I was like, no, this can't fail. Um, and so, like, I, I remember the emotion of that and having to lean on entrepreneur communities on Facebook and just be like, guys, like, this is what's going on. Do you have any advice on how I can increase my visibility and help ensure that this Kickstarter is a success? So that's just an, one example. Right. Um, and then there's the different experiences you go through, like, you know, you're you're so close to getting a client. Um, and you know, they come back to you in the, in the case of publishing and they're like, okay, I didn't find, I didn't complete the drafts in time. I need another year to finish my book. Okay. So that slows down the profit, the process considerably. And so it's just kind of, you know, not, um, losing, not losing faith in your idea, but just pressing forward when things don't, um, don't go, you know, your way. So um, and then also managing all the surprises, like you're not like recognizing that you're not going to be able to do everything yourself um, and leveraging your things, um, collaborating when you can, um, joining mastermind groups, different things like that could really help give you the support that you need at different points on the journey. Got it. So what are you working on next? You mentioned the audiobook. What other projects are in the works? Yeah, so there are a couple of things. Um, it's uh, not fun, like um, securing securing a job and then making my business a side hustle, right? So a lot of people create their side hustle um, while they're at a job. Um, I took the leap, built the business or the foundation of the business, and now while I'm finishing my life coaching cert- certification, um, stepping into um, either part-time or full-time employment again. Good thing is I'm in like third rounds with two companies right now. So we'll see um, what happens. 
Um, so that's, that's the first thing. Um, wait, wait, and, wait, and that is, that, that is huge. We can't just, we can't just skip over this. Wait. <laughs> talk, okay. Yeah. Talk us through that, that thought process of now that you've picked up some steam and you're training to be a life coach, you actually want to go back into the full-time workspace. Um, why is that? Yeah, it's because I, like I was my main investor. I also had, um, I secured like a line of credit for the business, which is, was substantial and is substantial. And also like, you know, credit, um, you know, credit card. But um, I used some of it where I thought it strategically made sense. Um, but I had to recognize what my business model is. So, you know, depending on your business, your decisions are going to have to be different. And I think that's the major thing I learned through this whole year is that you have to be flexible and you have to be smart. So I did my projections. Things look great when I raised that over six grand on just one book project, right? Things look great when, you know, a couple of people, you know, bit the marketing and said, hey, like I'm interested in working with you to publish my book. But then over time, it just wasn't sustainable enough yet. Um, and I needed a lot more funds to invest on the marketing piece, um, and you know, if you're worried about your survival, um, and, and you, and assuming you've made all the changes, you can't cut all your, the costs around that are, that are unnecessary and you're, you're running lean and you aren't generating as much in income as you need, you have to make the smart decision. And that's the position that I'm in now, um, where I have to find something, um, on the side while I built the business, continue to build the business. Got so it. it takes some mental strength. <laughs> yeah, it's, it certainly does. And it's not, it's nothing to be ashamed of either. It's really being a smart businesswoman. It's saying, okay, what decision do I need to make next so that I can build this business out? You did your projections, you need more funds. So we're going to go back, we're going to get another investor, which in this case is a job. <laughs> And we're yes, we're exactly. gonna we're gonna get the funds back to where it needs to be. We're gonna raise capital. <laughs> yes, you yeah. got it. Right. You got it. Exactly. It's, it's all strategic. So uh, good to know. Good to know. Keep us posted on the progress on that. Um, We'll probably do some check-ins in the mastermind group. You guys, if you're not already in the Side Hustle Pro Facebook community, you are missing out. Just go to sidehustlepro.co forward slash mastermind because we'll definitely be doing some updates with Denise there. Um, so now let's get into the lightning round. Now, you know, this is going to go kind of quick. Um, we're we're going to ask you five questions and you'll answer the first thing that comes to mind. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. So number one, what is your secret to getting things done? All right. So the big one is uh, self-care in the gym. Um, yeah, that's huge. You need energy to do all this stuff. And uh, going to the gym helps me out a lot. That and finding quiet spaces like cafes to work in. I'm really productive in cafes. Okay. Number two, what's an internet resource or many internet resources that you can share with the Side Hustle Pro audience? Um, well, um, related to your first question about getting things done, like one of the tools I rely on pretty heavily um, is Todoist um, because like 
initially I was using my um, regular uh, to-do list through my, my iPhone and that wasn't enough. Like it wasn't, um, it was just like a list that I was checking, checking all the time and I couldn't really see my progress, but to, but to do is helps you like specify which task goes with which project and put a deadline on it. So I use that tool. Um, and it really helps me clear my mind. Like when I think about something that I need to do, I immediately log it, categorize it in under the right project, um, give it a due date. And that helps me a lot. Um, another one that I'm using with my brothers on like our like real estate related um projects is asana and that that tool is pretty cool i think for um managing projects with more than one person or small teams cool and number three um what's been the best business book or podcast that you've consumed this year the best business book i've consumed is by um leadership um, expert, John C. Maxwell. He wrote this book, The 15 Invaluable Laws of Growth. Um, It's just like, that's the kind of text that really moves me, understanding like how I have to grow in order to to be my best self, to operate well, um, to manage my business well, to people well, processes well. Um, And that book talks about really adulting like he does it in a really awesome way and shows you like all all like 15 key ways in which you need to grow like even a chapter in there called like the law of pain like and you know from my life and business coach coaching work like I can speak to that and from my life experiences I can speak to that that sometimes being in the most challenging situations are, are what give us our our strength our resilience our courage and all those things so that book is incredible um, to get you productive and operating with clarity. Nice one. Number four, who, who inspires you and why? So if, if it's my mom is number one, she's an incredible human being. Um, when I look at her life, I, I'm impressed over and over again. And as I grow up, I'm even more impressed with her. Like, and just how she performed as a mother and as a professional, she just celebrated 25 years at her job. And there's a there's a poem um, there's a poem that I really like called "On Children," where it says that so as the, the archer talking about about God loves that bow that flies or children, so does he love the steady bow. And my mother has been a source of consistency in my life, like no other. Um, so I'll give credit to her first. Second to that is um, Auntie Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Um, and number five, mm-hmm. what's a personal trait that contributes to your success? For me, it's um, common courtesy and genuine love and respect for humanity, um, empathy, and yeah, love for people. Can you end with some parting advice to fellow women entrepreneurs who, you know, they dream of working for themselves, but they don't know where to start? I think um, one of the key things is to um, trust that we've all been equipped with gifts and talents. Know who you are, know your gifts and talents and seek to share that with the world. Um, Something I didn't mention is in um, this book book by I think it's Tim Ferriss, the four hour work week. He has a pro- uh, process called dreamlining 
which is really effective. I think start with what your dreams are, what what kind of life you want to have, the things you dream of, an uh, exercise you put, the things you dream of being, doing, and having. Um, and then you come up with a plan of how you can uh, create a business that will earn you enough to be, to be do, and have the, the stuff of your dreams. Um, so start from that place, um, the place that's going to create that passion in you, that fire in you, that's going to sustain your business. Because honestly, without passion, it's going, you're going to see the success um, because you're not going to be giving value in the area where you have a strength. So that's, that's number one. And, and number two is um, adjust, you know, as you go along, you know, you have a goal that's in front of you. You may not, it might not be a straight shot. And I, and I hope that me sharing my experience shows you that. Like, like I, I have to go back. It's a, it's a major transition to think about having to go back to an employer for a while. But I'm very clear in my mind that, you know, as Nikki said, um, I'm, that I'm seeking my next investor um, and, and keeping my eyes on the prize. Um, the last thing I want to say is that it's worth it. Um, just yesterday, I got a handwritten note from poet, author, activist, um, a living legend, recently um, recognized by Oprah Winfrey as a living legend. Um, and you may know her as Nikki Giovanni. I got a handwritten Woo-hoo! letter from her. She read my poetry and she loved it. Um, and I got that in the mail. I was running around my house like a crazy woman, just enjoy. <laughs> Um, that's enough. That alone, Nikki, is yeah. enough for me to 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 say that I took this year for myself. I gave my poetry to the world, yes. and I got recognized by one of the best poets of of, of our lifetime. I'm, so do it. Yeah, I'm so glad because I saw that post on Facebook, and you know, I know when your friends tell you how incredible that work of poetry is, you're like, oh, okay, but they're my friends. So I'm so glad that Nikki Giovanni sent you that personal letter because <laughs> we're not exaggerating. It's a phenomenal work. I I can't even believe I know you know someone who who could articulate what has been a really traumatic experience. In this way that, you know, just I actually finished reading it and felt a sense of calm and a felt of like empowerment to take on anything. So I will also link to that in the show notes, you guys. Um, Denise's clean closet is just incredible. And Nikki Giovanni knows it, too. So, boom, there you go. (laughs) So what's the best way for us to connect with you after this episode? The best way, you know, I simplified it. I learned from a marketing strategist the importance of simplifying things for folks. Um, you can find me at denisarcord.com and across all social media platforms, not all, but Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at uh, denisarcord. Awesome. All right, Denise. Well, it's been a pleasure having you. And there you have it, guys. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Side Hustle Pro. If you like the show, do me a favor and subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. And if you want to hear more from me, you can find me online at sidehustlepro.co and on social media on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Side Hustle Pro. Talk to you next week.